0: Talk uh, podcast. Christopher, thank you so much for joining in, um, for finding the time, and I'm very excited to to talk about your product uh, uh, and uh, especially about your background and how you came uh, came to be. Too. So, yeah, tell us all about it. So maybe a quick elevator pitch.
1: Sure. So I am Christopher Brennan, and I am the Chief Product Officer of Overtone. Um, which uses artificial intelligence, natural language processing to differentiate between types of news article um, by what's in them. So it's not quantitative, it's not clicks and shares, it's really looking at the text, looking at the textual signals and saying, this is a long form feature, this is a daily story, this is a quick update, et cetera. Um, So that our customers, news publishers specifically, um, can use those articles in different ways Depending on
0: what they are, to provide the best experience to their readers. Yeah, sounds perfect. Um, sounds uh, really interesting. Maybe to, uh, we'll go back to um, to a product um, in a minute, but maybe about yourself, about your background. I know it's a it's a very interesting story uh, story for um, listening. I've, I've I've led a varied and interesting life so far. Um, so I.
1: And Christopher, you can maybe tell by my accent that I'm American. Uh, they calling you now from Brussels, Belgium. And I can explain how I got there. Um, from a place called St. Louis in the US. Um, for those of you sort of maybe more European based, that's in the middle of the country, in the Midwest, south of Chicago. Um, and then grew up there, but then moved to New York um, for university. And then from New York, got into journalism. And began my career actually in Russia at a small English language paper called the Moscow Times, um, which was a very interesting time to be in Russia. Um, And this was sort of 2012, 2013, 2014. um, The beginnings of things that are still playing out now. And then bounced around a bit, went to the UK, New York for many years, um, was working for a New York paper when they sent me to Europe to be European correspondent for that newspaper. Um, which was another good gig. And I traveled all around Europe to sort of Italy for elections and the Royal Wedding in Britain and and Poland and things like that, though being based in Brussels for that um, post, I became very interested in what was going on in Brussels, specifically around tech, tech regulation. This was during 2017 and 18 Um, things, data privacy, GDPR, Facebook algorithm change, Cambridge Analytica, Um, So I became fascinated about the sort of data that exists for news, how news is treated by the big platforms that we all know, um, as well as how it could be treated. So I became involved with a project around that um, for a while on newsletters. And then through that, eventually met my co-founder, Philip Allen, and then my other co-founder, Regan Emily joined after that. We said, hey, there's really a business here where you can use the technology the NLP that has sort of been galloping along for for the last little while, and now really accessible for for solving real world problems, and use that technology to to help the publishing industry specifically, and then use that insight from publishing to to help other places as well.
0: Wow! Well, okay, um, very fascinating story. Uh, a lot of uh, like a deep background in journalism. Um, maybe uh, just a um, quick question. Uh, as I've been to Brussels, I had this, you know, uh, feeling of, uh, um, you know, regulators talking about how they should like uh, regulate uh, or uh, restrict uh, the big platforms. And basically, what I'm thinking as an entrepreneur is, well, big, because you know, big platforms actually figured out their business better. Than the publishers themselves. <laughs> so the big platforms uh, figured out that you know it's all about data. It's all about uh, what your publishers are, what your users are, what they're doing, and yeah, maybe. So this is a, maybe a, a question about the product straight away: is that how come that uh, the, uh, that you are solving a problem of uh, figuring out what what are the articles about on the scale, and uh, you know one one could only wonder. Like, don't, don't they know what they're writing about? <laughs> don't they know what the article is about? So you do for an individual article. And of course, the
1: writer writing um, knows what, what they're writing about, hopefully, at least. Um, but newsrooms are bigger than that. And so what you have is you have articles. I sometimes have a a love and hate relationship with the word content, but content is, is what we're talking about. Um, the writer knows, and then that's used in different ways. So specifically, I think the, the main users of um, overtone scores are audience engagement editors, mm-hmm. people who are using the pieces that have been written by their colleagues and putting them out into the world, whether that's the homepage, whether that's a newsletter, whether that's social media posts, making decisions about sort of inside or outside of a paywall, um, including this in different channels. And so when you have a publisher, and these people can't read everything that is produced because there's only sort of a handful of these people in the newsroom charged with, with sharing their the output to the world. So what we did is essentially looked for the types of articles mm-hmm. that they could take a look at, and these are editorial types, right? Mm-hmm. So they already have things like is an athlete mentioned in this, is this sort of sports or news, et cetera. But if you look at the editorial type, then you can make decisions about where you want to put it. So essentially we automate that process of being able to read something and know a little bit about it so that if you are an audience engagement editor or a content strategist, you can say, okay, here's what we want to do with a certain type of piece. And here's what we don't want to do. Here's how we want to treat things Mm -hmm. uh, differently. Uh, So it's, it's interesting that you mentioned sort of, big tech and news. And I think news um, is evolving to the where they realize that they do need data um, to create experiences for people. There's this whole growth in newsrooms of the idea of news product, um, which wasn't really there even five years ago. Um, But it's the idea that they're creating experiences for their readers, sort of the same way a tech platform would basically. Um, and that they need to have sort of the tech stack in order to be able to do that. And part of that is when you're dealing with editorial differences, you need distinctions editorially in order to make the best experiences for your readers.
0: Okay, and when you're talking about experiences, this is something that, you know, personally, I think um, is in focus uh, right now uh, with our product, with Botox. Uh, uh, and lately, on the strategy meeting, we just realized, wow, yeah, it all—it is all about you know user experience and how awful actually the user experience for the normal you know newspaper consumer right now is right. So uh, let's let's dig uh, dig deeper. What is you know what is sure. the problem? What is the problem with a, like a, a current user experience on uh, you know um, uh, what what are you solving basically?
1: I mean, for us, I think one of the most interesting aspects for us is sort of personalization. Mm-hmm. And there's some outlets that are very focused on real personalization. This is user X Y Z, and we want to get, we want to sort of serve them with a certain sort of article or experience in order to get that for them. Um, but even beyond that, I think that publishing previously had mm-hmm. the newspaper or yeah. the outlet, and this was decided by the editors sitting in their big leather chairs, smoking their cigars, putting this out into the world and saying, this is what's important. Mm -hmm. This is day one, top of the page, this is lower here, et cetera. Um, And that worked because newspapers were the source for information Mm -hmm. uh, in a specific place. They had sort of this semi-monopoly on news in their city. And now there's obviously a lot more choice out there, but also a newspaper is just different things to different people. When you opened up a physical newspaper before um you could flip to the sports section if you wanted you could flip to the anything section um and so now that newspapers are operating not just on that physical page not even really on a website but on all these mm-hmm. different ways it is to touch people in their mm-hmm. inbox in on their social media feed etc then you need to make sure that you still have that differentiation there instead of. Mm-hmm one you can't have one experience and just everyone acquiesces to that because that's not the way the internet works so there's an element of and there's an element of personalization just sort of built in by the way that
0: people navigate through the online world sure so yeah my uh, my instagram looks completely different than you know your experience when when you open instagram and the same with twitter everything is highly kind of algorithm driven and highly personalized in comparison to like a news where but um do you think uh, that this is like a problem that uh, um, those guys, uh, those guys in publishing, are unable to uh, to solve? Uh, what is your experience? And then, now, like a d- deep dive into into your product, uh, where where is like the pain, uh, um, the real pain that you are solving for the publishers? So they yeah. they cannot solve this uh, highly technical because I know you know we've been trying to to build this suggestion algorithm for for a while now. And we talked about uh, about it uh, with you, I think, a couple of months ago, and we're still coming back to you about that because, uh, I mean, it is very, it is like, you know, um, obscenely uh, hard to do, even with the data that we have. I mean, uh, so how how do you solve it? I mean, there's
1: certain people in the publishing world who are building their tech teams out now and are going for things um, like that. All right, not so much, on, oh, I'll get to that in a second, but who are building out their teams to deal sure. with optimizing algorithmic processes for what they have. Um, I was interested, for instance, in, uh, WANIFRA, the big organization of editors held a data science day in Paris, which was quite useful. And there was guys from the guardian and, the uh, Frankfurt Allgemeine Zeitung and, and all of these places talking about the, what they were doing. A lot of it's on churn because of that, of course, sort of directly related to the business aims of a publisher. Um, but also looking more at the content and and Mm -hmm. thinking about recommendation and things like that. So they are working on it. Um, But what the problem is to me is that the data isn't there for sort of all of the uses in the editorial Mm -hmm. use case. Editorial, because they are providing information to people. It's not just about getting someone to click. It's about sort of creating that experience. Um, The data is just not there. There's that old saying of, when all you have is a hammer, everything's a nail. Yeah, And when all you have is page views, everything is a way to get more page views. That's sort of the, that's one way to think about it. So if you want to create a more nuanced content strategy, it can't just be page views all the time or social media all the time. Because we saw this in the publishing industry. I mean, I remember a lot of publishers had put a lot of their eggs in the basket of Facebook. Yeah. And then Facebook sort of, Turn the power out on news. And that was detrimental to a lot of publisher sites. We're talking sort of more than 10% of traffic sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And so to me, the pain point of what we are solving for is providing that editorial data, providing that sort of specialized data for news um, that they can use to make their own products um, Mm -hmm. and build products on top of that. So we really are sort of an under layer of
0: what they want to do. And I want
1: them to go
0: paint their masterpieces with, with our data. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, so, um, basically, um, you know, the hypothesis is okay. The guys, the big tech guys uh, figured out the algorithm, uh, pretty much, and it's going to take like ages for publishers to figure out this tech part uh, for themselves and you are helping them to do so quick quicker, (laughs) <laughs> uh, hopefully yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah it's not just it's not just figuring out the
1: algorithm right i mean there's different the algorithms of a facebook yeah. or a twitter or, or a google are optimized for their own uses mm. and you just need to have different inputs to receive the uses that um, publishers want. I always find fascinating. Maybe we talked about this before. The difference between sort of a Facebook and a TikTok, for example, mm-hmm. um, sort of the traditional Facebook way of using the social graph as the primary primary means of serving content versus TikTok, which guards its algorithm pretty closely, but most people assume is using more of the content itself to deliver that yeah. um, to deliver what you see on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that I think is even sort of a step in an interesting direction for publishers, just because publishers, they have the content, they have content and they have, and that's sort of their USB, if you want, like they, they're the people who, who have that. And that's the value they bring to people. And that content is also just a goldmine of insight about what that experience is for a reader.
0: Yeah. Sure, sure. yeah. Uh, and uh, I think it's uh, you know, talking about the like a publishing business, it's also, I think uh, very hard uh, to produce like uh, uh, content uh, of a high quality and at the same time trying to kind of uh, uh, figure out the best way to um, uh, distribute it to you know pub- I think those are like completely different <laughs> uh, kind of ball games. Uh, um, and uh, if if you look at the uh, like a big tech guys, they do not produce content at all. I mean, they you know, the people are producing content. they just figure out, you know, how to present it. So, uh, yeah, that is, um, that is uh, uh, very much uh, fascinating. I mean, I mean, these
1: two things are linked, right? I and mean, when you talk about content moderation now with Twitter, yeah. et cetera, sort of the tech people need to figure out how to deal with the content they have as content. Yeah. Uh, and the publishing people need to figure, figure out with, how to distribute the content they have as a distribution experience
0: yeah definitely definitely um okay so who is your like a typical uh customer maybe uh let's um yeah. m- dig deeper into like you know uh what size of a publisher you know how do yeah. they find you and what is you know what is like your typical sales process then
1: yeah so one thing that we've Um, found real sort of success with is larger publishers who have different sort of nodes in their systems. So Mm -hmm. one of our um, clients is the Institute for Nonprofit News, which is a big group of uh, newspapers in the US, Mm -hmm. uh, more than 400 of them. And the Institute for Nonprofit News is sort of an organizing body that sits Mm -hmm. uh, above them and, and helps them out. And so one thing that they were interested in is just seeing all of the pieces from all of their network um, and being able to to have eyes on that for things like newsletters. So you can do something just looking at all the environmental environmental articles from all of INN and you think, ah, this one is sort of an in-depth one from... California. that's may mean it's more interesting for people in the rest of the country, from Florida to New York or whatever, or on specific topics like rural news, for example. Um, it's interesting for thinking about that that syndication use case of saying this is content that sort of fits the bill of what we want um so we can move it around our systems. So those those larger publishers with sort of lots of diverse t- types of content. Um, tend to be where we have the most success of course if you are only publishing five articles a day and they're all basically the same um, it may not Mm -hmm. sort of serve you as well but definitely being able to have eyes on what you're doing across a week or
0: even into your back catalog uh, is where we find the most success Okay. Uh, Makes sense. And in terms like, you know, what is like an actual uh, user experience of using the product? So is it um, um, some kind of um, stats that I get from, uh, from your system or, you know, how does it work? Yeah. So we have different,
1: again, in sort of fitting the needs of everyone. We have some people who just use the API, which is great. And then you can send us a URL or a body text of an article that's in your system. Um, we also love RSS feeds, and then we can get you back the the scores and the confidence levels in that score tied to a certain URL or tied to a certain body. So then you can use that in your system, in your CMS, mm-hmm. even in a spreadsheet, even like wherever you need that. Just in your own.
0: And um, just a quick yeah. note: what is, what is inside of the score? You know, what are what are like parameters that you? Uh, yeah. you...
1: So just the score. So the in-depth score mm-hmm. uh, is sort of our first. Model, and then we're looking forward to providing more fine grained definition on this to really differentiate between sorts of articles. Mm-hmm. But the basic scale is about the sort of journalistic signals within it. So, does it include interviews? Does it include mm-hmm. um, certain sorts of sourcing? Is it just aggregating a tweet or is it talking to an expert professor? Mm-hmm. Um, is it providing relevant data is it's sort of digging into these things mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong Just before we go on there's nothing wrong with any sort of story yeah. a uh-huh. short update about a sports score is a great journalistic story if that's what i want if mm-hmm. that's what belongs in this newsletter or belongs yeah. in the social media post um there's nothing wrong with any of these stories they're just different um and so we have the original scale goes from sort of those little updates or it's non-news it's a recipe it doesn't really have those journalistic signals Mm -hmm. Um, up from that you have the sort of the single source sort of articles maybe there's a car crash on the autobahn outside of town and there's one source and it's the police Um, in the middle is sort of those normal sort of bug standard journalism stories maybe someone goes to court about that car crash and gets a little bit of information there moving up the scale, you have people who are doing more interviews and getting data, maybe car crashes are up 15% on this side of town. And here's a little explanation of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the high end, it's those enterprise pieces, what in journalism called enterprise pieces that may take weeks or months to do. Maybe mm-hmm. they talk to everyone around a certain intersection on, on part of town to realize how this intersection, the lack of a traffic light is ruining their lives. Yeah. Uh, so those are sort of, that is our, our scale now with the different sort of signals, journalistic signals that you have in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then looking forward to providing more um, definition soon mm-hmm. um, on whether this is sort of an opinionated analysis or a, an in-depth feature or an explainer and and things like that.
0: And then um, basically, you know, you get uh, me this score, and then it's my job, kind of, you know, how how I handle it. I can save it on a, uh, in a database, or you know, somehow uh, connect to my CMS and whatever, uh, whatnot. Okay, okay, I got it. Uh, yeah. and, then- and then for some for some people who are, don't really have a CMS or want to integrate
1: this into a CMS right away, then we also offer just sort of a visual interface where you can look through your articles, and we'll. Mm-hmm. sort for, it for you and show you what you want to see in in different feeds
0: and um on the basic level that's a model that you trained right uh based on like uh, hundreds and hundreds and thousands of articles and uh should i um like understand it like a, it's an english first model uh, or um, can you can you model yeah. like my, my so one yeah. so
1: one thing that we're kind of super keen on is we don't want to Impose English on other languages. So, Mm -hmm. all of the text in the English model is English native text Mm -hmm. from all over the world. One thing, the other thing we didn't want to do is have it a model that only liked people from New York or people from London or something like that. Um, So, sort of English as a global language. Uh, We received a grant earlier this year from the NYC Media Lab um, to move the model into Spanish, which was successful in building a proof of concept there. So, we generalize that that's Spanish is a tough cookie also because there's mm-hmm. European Spanish and Latin American Spanish yeah. and all that our model has 21 countries worth of Spanish language in it um, but that's something we're planning for future models as well is to have uh native language content in each model because mm-hmm. there's also differences between journalism in English versus in Spanish or in French or in German mm-hmm. etc um, though now that we've build the Spanish model, we know sort of how to do it. And we expect that
0: to be able to do new languages um, quickly if the need arises. Okay, so, uh, and your uh, like a core element is really the analysis, right? It's not uh, so much as a, um, uh, it's not uh, like, um, should I say, um, suggestion, right? So you're not suggesting anything, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. So you can learn from yourself, right? We do um, We do kind of studies with people. We did a study with a paper earlier this year, and we found that of the articles that converted people from not a subscriber to a subscriber, um, in the articles they published over several months, mm-hmm. more than half, more than 60% were higher scoring articles. So mm-hmm. if you're going for a subscription strategy okay scoring articles may be something you want to put in, in front of people especially if you think they're close to converting mm-hmm. so that you can you can have them see the value of your newspaper and and do that um but yes so the the scores themselves don't say do this do that they're just saying this is an apple
0: this is an orange yeah okay okay that's that makes sense and then um uh... The more generic uh, the model is, of course, uh, you know, the more interesting things you can do. You can use it to 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 build a suggestion algorithm, but you can also use it to, you know, um, um, do, um, do a lot of uh, other things. Okay, uh, what is your uh, maybe uh, pricing and monetization strategy? So how, yeah. obviously, uh, per, per uh, API call, I get something and so on and so forth, but still you, you should you should like attack bigger publishers, right? So what is your, what is your strategy there? Um, So definitely per API
1: call mm-hmm. is the way that we price everything, which means it's the same for everyone. We do have sort of a lower limit of uh, the number of API calls per month, but then you can use mm-hmm. those other API calls mm-hmm. for anything else you want. If you only have so many articles, mm-hmm. um, bigger publishers, again, with sort of lots of different pieces going on, tend to be, tend to be quite useful for us Um in terms of a strategy and then we've also received um interest from the the sort of media monitoring space mm-hmm. just because they obviously are also interested in mm-hmm. in news that's the sort of the other side of it is mm-hmm. people who are writing being the publishers and the people who are reading being the more um media monitoring analytics space um, mm-hmm. and so i imagine their their number of api calls tends to be
0: larger as well okay great in terms of like how big is your team right now how, how are you managing is it like a remote yeah. first company what is uh, what is the setup there it is yeah so i'm i'm based in brussels my
1: i have two co-founders uh philip who splits time between london and the south of france um, and reagan who's based in uh, new york for us which is good for publishing as well um and so we're the three co-founders, and then we have our engineering team um, based in Portugal, mm-hmm. uh, and bringing on a new engineer there as well as we have some sort of externs and interns who are around and help us out as well. Wow. Okay. So, still, still, sort of a small company,
0: but um, excited to. How do you manage uh, this kind of you know distributed? Uh, I I would imagine like uh, even uh, time time zones alone would be could be a problem, right? <laughs> Yeah, you. I don't know if you know, but it was just sort
1: of that one week of uh, between when Europe does daylight savings and when yeah. North America does daylight savings. Yeah, um, which remember I used to work for a newspaper and based in American newspaper from Brussels, um, and which meant my sort of schedule got all whacked out for for a little while. But we just went through the same thing. So time zones are useful. Um, Google uh, Calendar does a good job of keeping up with it most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, we like to have offsites sites and sort of get together as, as often as we can as well. So especially for things like conferences, mm-hmm. um, we were all just in Spain, um, for the One for conference and, and planning on meeting up again soon, probably in New York. So it's, I think it's important to, especially when you're onboarding people to have, mm-hmm. time. I mean, once you sort of establish a working relationship with people, it gets a little bit easier um but definitely especially in the beginning to have sort of i'm not a fake person i'm a i'm a real person who you just see mostly
0: yeah, on yeah sure yeah are you guys, are you guys mostly remote uh, or uh yeah uh we are mostly remote but uh even we have to have like you know those kind of offsides and uh uh like uh, regular offsides uh even help because uh, you think that you know once a year would be enough but when you, you meet um Uh, you meet the team and you know just to convey like your new strategy it is sometimes uh, um, complicated if people are like you know we have like uh, two uh, uh, two employees that are uh, in Asia right now so uh, doing their you know um, um, discovery uh, and uh, working and so on phase Uh, so uh, and that is a uh, that is a challenge also like the timelines and uh, you know Uh, work and travel kind of thing Uh, it is already um, interesting but I think I think it is manageable Um, and uh, I think it is it is important also to to kind of meet on a regular basis just to um, update and uh, sometimes you know there are things out there that you can see like you know in the corner of the eye of another person and that just do not convey online and yeah Um, it's very important Um, in terms of um uh maybe uh like the next steps uh what is what are, what are your plans like for the future and uh uh yeah. where the company is uh like in a couple of years so are you raising are you trying to like bootstrap what is what is this yeah so we've been bootstrapped so far
1: but they have got our first investor mm-hmm. uh, and we'll announce who they are when we do our seed round but they're sort of the first investment into our seed round which we're planning on raising at the beginning of next year mm-hmm. um, which is exciting and so that raise is also going to come along with a new product, as I mentioned before, that more fine grained insight into um, what articles are, um, mm-hmm. in addition to sort of their levels of, of effort and things like that. So adding more choice, more definition, sort of more mm-hmm. better data for our, our clients and publishing and then as people um, sort of take notice of us. There's I'd be interesting to see sort of how we can combine into other algorithms as well. Mm-hmm. You mentioned sort of the Brussels um DSA yeah. and looking at algorithms. And that's what I'm just sort of fascinated being here in Brussels and yeah. and having something like Overtone that you can look at the sort of outputs that these models are are making. And now with the DSA, they're going to have to allow that sort of the power given to auditors is going to be fairly strong. Um, so that's something I, I'm working for uh, with using overtone in more sort of automated settings, I think will mm-hmm. also be.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's so uh, that sounds very, uh, very interesting and like a completely logical next step actually for the company uh, to be to be offering uh this kind of uh more automation and uh, kind of things, yeah um that sounds um uh, that sounds um very interesting and uh i think uh you know the the work that you guys are doing is uh so much so much fun it is uh, so much uh uh and i think for your background especially i think it is uh it has it has this uh i mean for me i'm a i'm a news junkie right uh, but sometimes i'm just uh, uh sometimes i uh, like fail to to consume uh as much as I used to, uh, from but you know, uh, not because I don't want to read, but it just you know the way they present me the information is just not so appealing, and yeah. as, as we um, inside of Botic uh, as establishes, you know, publishers need to kind of uh, a little bit of help to win uh, this battle for attention, because yeah. because you know uh, when they they giving you this you know straight away linear uh, here is our news. And yeah. you need to read each article two and a half minutes, and then I have Instagram on my phone. I mean, it yeah. is impossible. They will yeah. never win win this uh, over. It's yeah. just a
1: it's just a differentiated experience. I think with again sitting on this gold mine of mm-hmm. data that is the articles themselves and, and all of that, in addition to the relationship that publishers have to readers. I mean, readers trust publishers in a way that they don't really trust sort of ad tech companies, right? It's, it's that's it's a different sort of ball game. Um and so they have I think publishers now at this exact moment, like mm-hmm. this exact moment when big tech is sort of figuring what it's gonna do in our bright, beautiful, cookie less future. Um and and to to build a different way of doing things. Yeah. Um and that involves having a different tech stack that uses AI in a way that's that's sort of separate from the optimization that you see in, 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 uh, big tech platforms. That was for me, you mentioned just sort of the experience of reading the news. That was for me, what really sold me on this sort of this idea as a business, because as much as it is for it's B2B right now, it's for, um, publishers, ultimately the different experience for the reader. And I get my news now mm-hmm. mostly via overtone scores, which is sort of, I can choose what I want, which
0: has made my, this is my, my probably have. This is my next question. Uh, have you guys uh, have you guys thought about like B two C uh, applications?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think we would love to do that. I think the working with the publishers is important because they're the ones who already have those existing relationships to readers, and you want to prove sort of yeah. that this works. But but ultimately, when you look out into the future. Um, with the way things are delivered by algorithms I would like to have people individual people have more control over what they want to see in those editorial ways so you right now again hammers and nails you can say show me the most viewed article today like well great what does that mean that Mm -hmm. a bunch of people read it fantastic like show me a in-depth piece that's going to make me cry the second half of, of, of me reading it. Like, the show me that. Show me all these sort of interesting ways that I can discover what I want to discover um, without it being force-fed to me mm-hmm. uh, by an algorithm. And I think we're not super far off when people talk about um, a app store for social media algorithms yeah. and things like that. I mean, this, this moves towards... Mm-hmm towards more user control, I think is something that's going to gain steam and, and
0: uh, be a different way of doing things for B2C in the future. Yeah. And that's definitely what, what readers want. I mean, if you ask, uh, like, of course, you know, publishers and, uh, but if you ask like anyone in Germany, uh, they have all, um, you know, everyone uh, like from a general public, I would say says only one thing. Okay. Uh, let, uh, let us, um, just read everything uh, within one, like a uh, you know uh, curated kind of app, and I will pay money, but I will yeah. not pay uh, for zu Deutsche Frankfurter Allgemeiner. So I will not pay five publishers <laughs> at the same time. But can I have one, and it, it should be curated? And I think this is uh, this is something that uh, is still in the future. And I think things like uh, your algorithm or you know the way the structure could really really help. And it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't have to be your company that build it 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 yeah. could be, uh, what I'm thinking is like, you know, it could be someone that says, you know, we would really love to build like the app for, for the news. Right. And, yeah, uh, and what you see is is sort of news publishers
1: um, combining together to work on some things as well for, for the ad market specifically Yeah, uh, to say sort of, this is what we're doing. I don't know if that's in the cards for mm-hmm. um, sort of consumer facing Product, it's funny Reagan. You'll have to have Reagan on at some point. She one of her first jobs was working with a consortium of um, newspapers and media outlets in the United States to try and all go online together. Yeah, Um, this is in the late nineties, and Mm -hmm. it didn't really work because there was too much uh, competition between between them. Um, But I think in terms of providing good experiences to users, you can have. The publishers do what they're doing, and, and ultimately leave the curation a little bit up to to people, but give them the tools they want. So if mm-hmm. they don't want to see toxic things, then they can choose not to see
0: toxic things, and that will be great for them. That is a great, uh, great uh, summary <laughs> and the great last words for the for the podcast. Okay, on that note, okay. um, thank you so much uh, for joining. Thank you for opening up uh, so much for uh, for the podcast. I really appreciate it and. Uh, Yeah.